Hey everybody, welcome to Applying to Everything, a show about our passions, the world, and where they overlap. I'm your host, Bruno Falcon. This week, I sat down with Dara Boxer, a personal chef, lifestyle blogger, and friend. We talked about trying improv, cooking, website design, being a self-starter, and a little bit about services like Blue Apron and Plated. Enjoy! I just started doing plated. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> which is which is I mean which is great because it you know I'm spending forty bucks. It's a whole lot cheaper than like if I went out to eat. Definitely. To, for the amount of food that I'm getting, it's definitely more expensive than going going to the grocery store. But it's it's a nice middle ground. It is. And it's been it's been pretty good so far. But I'm curious as to how like how entering into the personal chef field, things like plated and blue apron and 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 sort of the you don't need a personal chef here we will we will lay everything out for you and then it's you know you're cooking for an hour rather than like all of the bits and pieces of picking a recipe going to the store doing all that um so i think what you said before it's it's a really good middle ground like it's it's a little bit more expensive than if you were to go to the grocery store but it saves you the time and energy of doing that and Mm -hmm. planning out your menu um but at the end of the day you're still gonna have to come home and cook it and do the cleanup and everything else so a personal chef is kind of like two steps beyond that where uh literally all you do is come home from work and heat up your oven put my food in there mm-hmm. and that's it and you're um, done. right so uh and my service is more f- my, my service is for people who uh, i don't want to say like rich or wealthy people people with disposable income where you know spending 350 plus groceries is like nothing for them on a weekly basis um so my (laughs) so but i so whereas like i think blue apron and HelloFresh and plated are fantastic for you know people in their 20s and 30s who don't have that kind of disposable income but who can afford a little bit more than just your groceries right um so no i think it's fantastic and um i I did Blue Apron for about a year, um, and then at some point, I was just kind of like, "Well, I'm just going to do this myself." Yeah. So because cool. it's my job. Yeah. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um. So going going all the way back, what got you? What got you into lifestyle blogging? Like we've talked about, we've talked a little bit about you know the stuff you write and and why you enjoy it, but like what got you into it in the first place? Um. So I have been reading blogs since forever. I mean, they I think they became a thing like what, like 2007, 2008. That's when blogs really. Like... Yeah. I remember cause they evolved, they evolved out of like Zangas and like, mm-hmm. cause MySpace pages used to be these weird. I'm wow. MySpace. Uh, yeah. I just, <laughs> I just really I, dated myself. <laughs> I just got anxiety <laughs> thinking about your top eight. Do you oh, remember no. that? That for women, yep. that was like oh, the worst. God. I, I never did my, like I did MySpace and then it was like too, it was way too cool. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do my Zanga. Like, which was <laughs> for anyone who doesn't remember what Zanga was, it was like Facebook only it was really just a journal except you put it online because <laughs> it was this weird it was this weird time in the early 2000s where you wanted to share all of your feelings with everyone yeah. indiscriminately <laughs> and i think also 
at our age, like when, when that first came out, yeah, we put everything on there. Like, um, I deactivated my Facebook like five years ago and had not gone back on. And then for my business, I had to like, you have to, for whatever reason, like have a personal one to create mm-hmm. a business one. And mm-hmm. so I reactivated it after five years and I decided it was probably time to do a, a purge and a cleanup. And oh my, some of my posts from 2007 were mortifying, yeah. like yeah, it was just really embarrassing. I keep thinking, like, so I feel like Facebook is pushing me to do the purge just because it keeps doing the throwbacks. Like, hey, remember oh, this gross. thing? And I'm like, oh, wow. When I was in my early 20s, I was such a vapid piece of shit. <laughs> no, that's um, it. My, like, so I, God, I, was pe- I was total garbage. Oh. My, so my friends will, will constantly text me pictures of the throwback because I'm not on Facebook. So mm-hmm. they're like, oh, remember this? I'm like, oh, man. Oh, no. oh man. Like women's fashion in the early 2000s was just probably the worst in the last like hundred something years i don't know the 80s though no i would (laughs) i would i would be a child of the 80s any day over 2000s like that's true denim mini skirts uh halter tops it was just no well because the the 2000s were like trying to bring the 80s back but doing it so badly yeah Yeah. oh man anyway um so so going back to like what got me into lifestyle blogging. Um, so I would spend a lot of time like reading blogs at work because mm-hmm. I had a boring office job doing marketing for hotels. And uh, there's a lot of downtime with that, no surprise. Um, <laughs> and it, it would always blow my mind how these like shitty, terribly coded looking blogs would have such a mass following mm-hmm. or like it just seemed like I could do it better. And mm-hmm. I, at one point I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try it. And so, uh, yeah. And I invested a lot of time in like the aesthetic look and, um, I mean, I'm not saying I'm like there, I make literally no money off of it, but, yeah. um, at the same time, yeah, I just wanted to see and try and it just, it was fun and it became a really cool, exciting hobby. And, um, yeah, like I got to share like some of the stuff I love and like slowly over time it built up a little following and, um, I'm kind of at the weird point where you can monetize and mm-hmm. begin making money. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I feel like it kind of changes once you go for the money. Cause then you're pushing shitty products that right. you really don't care about right. to people who like might buy them. And it just, there's something kind of gross about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a while I, I would get free products, like a lot of free beauty things. And then, you know, you're kind of required to blog about it. And yeah, I just, I don't know. It doesn't feel good. Right. Well, because it sounds like, especially if the aesthetic is really important. So do you feel like, do you feel like that, like the, the aesthetic integrity, like your, your drive to have something that you were really proud of was part of what pushed you to like move into personal chef work or to, or to move past, you know, dive out on your own? Um, or was there something like underlying doing blogging right? Like that sort of fueled the aesthetic integrity, but also f- like f- keeps you where you are on the cusp of that monetizing um that that was the real driving force that that got you out there um i i wouldn't say it's the sole reason i am where i am but i think it it was like kind of a stepping stone Mm -hmm. and uh it was it was one of those things where like blogging and and like recruiting like a little following it it gives you confidence Mm -hmm. and um 
it just it made me realize that like having an office job really isn't what I wanted anymore. Yeah. And, you know, to make like a serious living off of blogging, like let's be honest, is not realistic at all. You know, it's a pretty pyramided uh, scheme where there are very few people at the top who make like, you know, 600 grand a year and then everyone else basically makes like nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I knew like that wasn't realistic. I mean, that would be awesome. And, you know, <laughs> always shoot for your dreams. But um, no, that's I knew that wasn't for me. But um how it really got started was um, I was trolling through um, ugh, gross Craigslist, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I found this personal chef who was looking for someone to help her brand her business and expand um, and slash apprentice with her. And I 100% believe because of the blog, that's why she hired me. And right. then it kind of spun off from there. So, I mean, yeah, I guess I could really thank uh, blogging for getting me there um and yeah I, I feel like it's it's really helped when people people think it's like the coolest thing I mean not really but p- people find it cool <laughs> they're like oh that's yours like that's like your little space and you know it's it's really fun to be able to like randomly meet people on Instagram or I mean not meet but like you know create little Instagram friends in you know St. Louis or in Seattle or I don't know, Little Rock, uh, random people should be like, oh, you know, I read your post about wedding planning mm-hmm. seating chart and it really helped me. And it's <laughs> really, you know, you don't know these people, they're complete strangers, but they start following you. And it's really cool that like you make a little bit of a difference. Um, I had one girl email me and tell me that uh, thanks to some of my wedding planning posts, like I helped her like keep her sanity through it. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, yeah. even if it's just like one person. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's like all kind of connected. And at some point uh, last year, I just realized that like having a shitty office job wasn't what I was meant for. Mm -hmm. And it was really scary and hard to make like literally no money for a little bit. Um, But and again, talking about white privilege, um, I, I was also in a good situation where, you know, if I if I wasn't bringing in what I had before with my salary, it wasn't. It wasn't detrimental. So, I I mean, I'm very fortunate and thankful and grateful, and I have to acknowledge that. Like, it's always tough taking that risk. Like, the idea of taking the plunge and going and doing that thing is, like, it's it's scary. And you've got to have something – you've got to have something – internally that helps you to get through that thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you're going to have that period of time where you question – like, was this the right call? Did I – like, at what point point is it, like – how do you get through those moments of like, I've made this, I like I've jumped. Like it's not, it's not, am I going to jump? I've jumped. Like I've made this choice. And sometimes it feels like free fall. Sometimes it feels like flying. Um, Like how do you, how do you push through those moments? Especially when as someone who's blogging about lifestyle, as as someone who's like going and helping other people to stay on top of their lives in a very specific way where you kind of have to be, on you kind of have to you have to go in and and just sort of be like okay i'm here and i'm still here like do how do you work through that like in the in the moment um so uh i you know everyone is familiar with this phrase but i i really took hard to it now uh fake it till you make it Mm -hmm. uh in that and also i guess like 
having little goals. So the whole thing is so overwhelming and daunting. Like you think about how much money you need and your business needs to bring in to survive or even just like be comfortable and okay. And at first you're like, Jesus, like how the hell is that ever going to (laughs) happen? Like, you know, I didn't have anything um, when I first started. And um, right. So that overall number was really scary. But then you break it down monthly and then you break it down weekly and then you figure out, okay, how many clients is that? And so then, you know, you're not going to go from zero to uh, running a hundred percent. So you, so I, I started in January and I decided every month I wanted to accrue at least one new client. So by May I would have four, if mm-hmm. not five. Um, and so, you know, slowly, but surely it started to build and started to build and, um, yeah, here we are. And, yeah. and you, you just meet your goals and, um, also, a friend of mine, she she asks this like very fun question: How do you eat an elephant? And it's one bite <laughs> at a time, um, and I think that's it's so true. So you just do like little bits and pieces here or there, and just set plans and checklists, and staying organized on top of everything. Um, but also, um, you really have to like take pride in your work and right. do like a great job because these people are like everything for you. So I mean, I am just like you know a piece of of I'm in their top 100 important things like I'm you know not whatever but whereas my clients for me are like my top five priorities right so I really have to give them like a killer whatever you know go the extra mile uh you know really work hard at like being professional and kind and courteous and I think that goes a long way too you so you and I met during this transition through improv um and one of the things like one of the things that's been interesting over the last couple of years um yeah a couple of years <laughs> like, yeah that's oh, yeah. right it's been a couple <laughs> it's years it's been a while <laughs> um, uh one of the things over the last couple of years is like the evolution of like in in those it, like in the improv work in the play getting really comfortable with jumping and getting really comfortable with like not knowing if there's gonna be something after you jump like it, it's it's such a weird experience of like diving into a scene or diving into like diving into a bit um and not and having like just trusting that the thing is gonna work out because you have like you've worked this you know it it's it's right. there um do you feel like do you feel like that helped you to you know be ready for the transition or or at least not not necessarily ready for the implications but ready to make the call and do you feel like there are parts of making the transition that have helped you to get more comfortable with that on stage? Like, are the has it? How, how has that played in? Um, I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, a very similar to improv. Like, you go in having no idea what you're gonna do or say, and sometimes your jokes completely land flat or what you think is hilarious, like no one else does, and they're <laughs> crickets, and it's you know a little embarrassing, but you know you just brush it off and move on to the next one. And it it's kind of similar uh, with my cooking. You know, someone hires me, and I don't know if I'm gonna get hired a second time or a third time, and that is so nerve wracking. And so you know you're you're constantly like what's gonna work what isn't and um yeah it's it's totally scary and you know there have been two families that didn't call me back for a second time and at first I really beat myself up about it I'm like Jesus like what happened I knew I I felt confident with my food and my Mm -hmm. work um but you just you just don't know um and yeah I mean I guess you could look at it as a fail, but you just move on and go on to the next scene. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's going to be someone and, you know, that's okay. Like you want to find out, you want to find your, the people that are right for you, you know, the scene partners that work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, 
yeah, I guess it's all kind of connected. How much, so how much back and forth is there with your clients? Like, is it, like, it seems like there's, I mean, there's obviously an inherent level of trust. Like you're, 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 you're asking someone to come in and to provide this very, this, like for me, cooking is really important. My family is very Italian on one side and my, like my mom's family who isn't Italian is still like cooking still a big deal. Um, and so there's something inherently intimate about that and something very, like something inherently personal about that, especially someone who comes into, like comes into your home and helps to cook. How much, like, how much do you talk to the families before you go in? Like how much, how much do you sort of size each other up um, before <laughs> the whole thing, before, before you, before you go in and, and do the first round? Just cause I feel like there's a level of trust on both sides that sure. you've got to establish early on. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, I'm cooking alone in their home right. and so yeah i mean the, the definitely uh there's one family that ran a background check on me which is totally fine i don't nothing to hide uh but a few other families um you know there's some email that goes back and forth a few phone calls um i always meet people face to face and i also want to see what their kitchen looks like right. um yeah. and yeah that sometimes that's uh, a fun pleasant you, you never know like some some people yeah anyway um so and also you know you want to do it because you want to get a, a gauge of like with their equipment and what you need sure, to bring sure, if sure. they don't have um so yeah there, there's definitely a lot of trust but uh the biggest thing is is open communication like right. i want to know what they liked what they didn't if this needed x y and z uh you know if 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 they didn't like something, if it was too complicated. Mm -hmm. um, so with a lot of my families, they'll give me like very detailed feedback. And those are the people that I want. Whereas I've cooked for, you know, this is a family that didn't invite me back. There was nothing afterwards. And yeah. I don't really, I mean, I'm not really in a place to be very selective at this point, but at the same time, like I don't want people who are, aren't going to give me anything right. to work with. Um, yeah. Well, because you need so, right, because you you've got to establish that same that rapport that right. that balance so that you're making sure they're getting what they're looking for, and that you can and, and and so that you have the space to like do the things you want to do with it. How much how much do you feel like you're bringing that creativity, that aesthetic, that that you know that drive for that that higher aesthetic to the cooking work? Like how much how much does that play in? Um, like and and how much freedom do you feel like you have even this early on to, to sort of experiment with that um i mean you know they they trust me enough where uh they don't like micromanage the recipes and so there's a there's plenty of freedom to really play around with the dish but also like it's the end result which is like something that's really fabulous like a lot of people have very messy disorganized refrigerators and mm -hmm. so i go in and clean it up everything's like neatly labeled stacked grouped accordingly there's like a very easy menu uh reheat instruction sheet that i leave with them there's mm -hmm. like a really nice invoice like it's a very like professional service and nine out of ten times i'll leave a client's kitchen cleaner than i found it and right. for them that also like really helps out for sure um and so yeah i mean it's it's uh one client called me a food ninja and so <laughs> that was my favorite uh you know I, I always come in and like all black uh and uh they don't <laughs> I always I usually arrive uh before 10 so they've already uh, gone into the office and then uh, I'm gone before they come home from work and so you know they leave the house and uh they come home from work and there's like you know three to five dinners like beautifully uh stacked in the refrigerator ready to go so it's yeah it's a really cool service but there's totally a level of trust that needs to uh take part because again like i don't know if i i mean i wouldn't feel comfortable having a contractor in my home all day um so <laughs> yeah i yeah. i definitely uh yeah 
Um, do you have a favorite, like, do you have a or favorite or like top three thing to cook as like an opener? Like things that you feel like, okay, everybody's going to love this. Mm-hmm. Like this is the, this is the thing. This is the winner. Uh, that's going to make sure everybody gets on board. Um, yes. So there is uh, a skillet roasted chicken with bok choy and jasmine rice that kills it every time. There are sautéed onions and bay leaves and uh, rice vinegar, and it's mm-hmm. so good and flavorful and strong. And it's a pretty neutral, but again, like a really powerful dish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another fun item, uh, a lot of people like love snacks and just to like pop something uh like open up yeah just i mean snacks (laughs) always win hands down um so there's a snack that one of my clients introduced me to it was actually one of his recipes it's uh, a frittata bite and so it's like a little frittata and it Mm. has swiss chard uh italian sausage and feta cheese and it's fantastic and you can eat them hot cold they're good for a snack breakfast whatever um (laughs) jam-packed with protein and um yeah, kids love them. Elderly people love them. People in their twenties <laughs> love them. So it's always a winner. Millennials. 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 Yeah. Um. So I I love making those as well. Um. They're very they they don't they're kind of annoying to make, but they're they come out fantastic and uh yeah definitely always a winner. Nice. And a third one. Ooh, I don't know. Um, I have a client with a 13-year-old son who is obsessed with chicken parm. So <laughs> yeah. I've uh, perfect. I mean, I, and I'm not super proud of, you know, it's not like super elegant, but I've, I've uh, perfected my chicken parm. Nice. So there's that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to argue with breaded chicken and cheese. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Melted cheese. There's like a little bit of basil in there. Mm, oh, it's so good. Mm. Spicy or sweet sauce? Sweet. All right. Oh. <laughs> I can, I'll make you one. Everybody's got their own thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's really fun. I've uh, I have so many cookbooks just lying around the house, and it's awesome, like, learning new skills, and I get to take cooking classes mm-hmm. um, at on days I'm not cooking for clients. And yeah, it's it's awesome. It's been fun. Has being on this side of uh, – has being on this side affected – you're blogging at all like because i feel like it's a different it's a different perspective going from you know blogging about people who are you know blogging about lifestyle and blogging about people and services that you're now providing in a more intimate way because like you you were in hospitality and then you moved into this like how has that affected your perspective there um as far as the blog is concerned yeah um i would say that some of my posts are more now geared towards like how to stay organized when you have work from home days Mm -hmm. um where i didn't have that luxury before um and definitely uh more food posts like Mm -hmm. this is how i meal prep my house or this is what i do when i grocery shop um so it's definitely starting to bleed a little bit more into the blog Mm -hmm. um and my husband has recommended that i start a blog for my cooking website um me at first i'm like oh it's a lot of stuff to manage because it's let's be honest a lot of work uh to run websites but it's probably not the worst idea um yeah, so I don't, I don't know. It's definitely something on the to-do list. For sure. The never-ending to-do list. Yeah, they just keep going. <laughs> Especially because, I mean, you. we were talking earlier, um, we were talking before the show about um, the website work you do. Right. Um, and just sort of, and that that's part of what got you into the personal chef work um, as well. And, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm really amazed at your ability to, really anyone's ability to do all of those things and keep all of those plates spinning like i do i do some of that for my own work but the idea of being able to do like 
do website design and build these things out and, and sort of be able to, to separate all of the different pieces out that way is fascinating to me. What am I trying to ask here? <laughs> what's, what's the, talk to me a little bit more. Um, like the, ba- like the balancing act. Well, talk to me about the balancing act and, sure. and, and talk to me about, are there, are there ways in which like designing the website and organizing people's spaces and like, how do those very organized things play into the chaos and risk of jumping into like having your own business and being like, and being sort of on your own in the same way that like, sort of in the same way that we were talking about improv, but really more in the, in the business sphere. Um, I mean, it's, it's all, these are all like little components of who I am, what I love to do and what makes me happy. Um, and also, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but there's this, um, like one of the key components of like happiness is when you're in this state called flow and it's where hours can pass while you're doing something and it feels like five minutes sure. or you're so, you know, you don't eat, go to the bathroom, like look at your phone <laughs> yeah. or open up, you know, your social media. And that's like when you're super like in the zone. And so for me, like all of these like little components of like cooking, organizing, like like cleaning, doing all these like little things, like like building websites, coding, like adjusting whatever uh, in in JavaScript. Um, they're all like things that I love, and so it it just it's almost like a natural um, transition, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like the balancing, I mean, it's it's definitely tough. You know, there I don't have set hours. Like I don't clock in at nine, and I'm not done at five. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even when I get home from a client's house, I'll send them like a recap email and then mm-hmm. I have to start someone else's grocery list for tomorrow and then uh, pitch menu ideas to another client. I have to print up invoices. I have to record my expenses. And, you know, this could be done at like 8 p.m. in mm-hmm. between, you know, dinner with my husband uh, and before, like, I don't know, I meet a friend for a drink. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly... And, and maybe it's not the best thing because there's no like clear separation. Sure. Um, but for right now, it, it's what works. Yeah. Um, and I guess as far as like coding the website, um, and also I, I, I do take great pride in that because I designed my cooking website by myself. Mm-hmm. And um, many people have told me that that made the difference between why I'm hired versus another chef. And that felt really good. And I definitely can thank blogging for that because these like little pieces of uh, important components on a website, like that was all learned through lifestyle blogging. Um, And like to be hired because my web skills, like that's (laughs) fucking, oh, sorry, I just cursed. That's, uh, that's awesome. So that feels good. Nice. Yeah. I mean, obviously like your food needs to be great too, but (laughs) like, you know, your web presence I think is, is a big part of it as well. Like I did a lot of research before I did my own website and I looked at a bunch of personal chefs in the DC area Mm -hmm. and some of them they're okay, but a majority of them are awful and you can tell that they don't have those skills and it's fine but like you know when you like log on to a web page and like the background is like brown with like yellow like comic sans font you're like why would you and i think that says a lot about you if you're cool with a web presence like that yeah so i don't know and again like it makes a difference right yeah because it's i mean it's one thing to like part of what i do in my other life is marketing um and you know is, is advertising and it's it's an interesting thing the the aesthetic of people like you're really good at your job you're really good at what you do and there's like this disconnect between how you present that to the world as a marketing face like and it's and it's an interesting it's it it's not something that i 
really think about as often as I probably should, um, is that, that, that internal disconnect, like you can be really, really good at what you're doing, but if you're not selling it the right way, or if you're not presenting it in the right, in the, if you're not presenting it in the right light, then people are just going to miss it. Right. Um, totally. Yeah. So that's, I mean, wow. Kudos on, kudos on having all of that together. Cause Thanks. that's really, that's <laughs> really, really impressive. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, sometimes it's, uh, it's just incredible. Like I, I, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, wow, this is like a life I built for myself. Uh, I, I went to school, so I'm actually a native Washingtonian. Um, but when I was 13, my parents relocated to Florida. So I finished yeah. up high school and college down there. And then, um, as an adult, like as soon as I graduated, I moved back because I mean, no one wants to live in Florida as a 20 <laughs> something year old. Um, but you know it, what? Yeah. There are lots of, I've met a, a lot of Floridians in the DC area who are yeah. just like, yeah, it's awesome. But right. Left for <laughs> oh, totally. Sorry, Florida. Um, <laughs> but I, I moved up here with like only the things that could fit in my car Mm -hmm. and like no plan at all with my like little college degree Mm -hmm. and yeah that was I guess seven years ago this summer and it's just really cool to like look back and just see like what I've like shifted and tailored my life into in those seven years and it's yeah it's a really cool feeling and uh I guess I would just encourage people to like take the leap because like we live in a world today where you know you can make money and survive doing things that you love and where this probably wouldn't be a thing 40 years ago what was your uh, degree in? Event management. So Event management. It, it was always right. a hospitality and geared towards that. And I think uh, when I graduated college for some god awful reason, I thought being an event planner would be uh, a really fun career, and oh. <laughs> that that didn't yeah, that didn't work out. I was I was burnt out on that as like even before I graduated with internships. So yeah, yeah. that's that is a tough. That is a, that's a really tough. Oh yeah, tough field. Like I've, I did, I did a little bit of, I did some live event work back when I was in theater, and it's just brutal. It is. It's like there's just no, there's no stopping, and it always rolls into the next thing, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's a, it's a go, 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 constant. Well, it has to be. Well, more than that, you know, everything's things that aren't even in your control fall on your plate, and so if, if you know, you're really relying on so many other people, and right. if they don't pull through, it does fall on you. Right. And it's you're dealing with like people that are like highly emotional that are spending a ton of money and no one's happy. Yeah. Including you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So everybody, <laughs> it's, it's sort of this balancing. It's, it's the game of how can everyone be satisfied enough that we can all walk away and not be super, super pissed. Right. Oh yeah. So that, that only lasted like a few years before I hopped over to the hotel side into marketing and sales. And that was terrible with quotas and constantly stressing about your numbers and contracts and um just not fun at all was that part of was that part of what got you into improv just sort of the like looking for an outlet of like how can i how can i go do a thing of over which i have no control but the consequences are literally zero um (laughs) (laughs) sort of i mean it was it was something i've i've always loved improv comedy like i've been going to comedy clubs oh my gosh since high school um and i've always just loved it and admired these people that can just do that and Mm i a friend of mine signed up and she actually took one of Chris's classes and I went to her graduation show and I was like okay you know what if she can do it I can do it and so I enrolled for the following semester yeah and here we are and here we are to 18 months later I don't know a year and a half it's almost it's coming up on two two years years. it'll be two years soon 
<laughs> I'm trying to remember that first class because that first class was really was really good but really really strange it was it was it was a weird that was a weird time well I think a lot of people got weeded out after level one yeah. for probably good reasons yeah. and so yeah and, and then level two I thought was was great as well yeah there were a couple of moments. I mean, there there were a couple of moments. I'm also hypercritical. Like, I can't, I, like, I, I'm hypercritical, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because mm-hmm. um, I'm not, I try not to do it on stage. But, like, I come off stage and it's like there's always a thing. Like, right. I, like, I really liked, like, our show, our show this time around was a whole lot of fun. You guys were so good. See, here's the thing. So <laughs> funny. I thought, I felt like technically I was on point, but I did not feel, like, I felt like, I was like really not funny. Like no, I felt oh like my gosh, technically don't. we were on point and and it just but it felt like it just felt like a weaker show. Like mm. all like the stuff we've been but part of that I think was because we'd been doing so much actual performing in the room. Sure. In the build up and that it was just like the show was the show was good. If if we had done that show immediately after the last round of classes, I would have been like that was amazing. Um, but we'd been doing so much, like there'd been so many good bits and so many bits where I was just like on the floor and could not stop laughing when we were just playing in the room. Oh yeah. Then like coming in and doing the show and being like, okay, cool. Like technically that was tight. Like we hit our marks, but there were just sort of like people cross, like some of these scenes got cut short. Like like some of these bits didn't, like I would have loved to see these bits fill out a little bit more. Um, but, um, so for, hindsight's twenty twenty. So I was I was uh, FaceTimed in for your show and I was I thought you guys were fantastic like every each set like really hit the like you said like they from a, an outsider's point of view like I wasn't in the room with you and you were practicing but from watching the show I think you guys hit all of the elements like of the Herald you guys yeah. did all like the callbacks and the like tag-ins and it was just it was great yeah um uh, yeah but I just do you remember how nerve were you nervous for our very first show it was like last February yeah for level two um i remember being wrecked for like two days like holy shit we're gonna be on stage in a packed room oh man yeah it was level two it was was it february yeah okay i remember being i remember being really nervous for a lot of reasons (laughs) um i but i i remember being really nervous and like the day of the show like i wasn't super nervous in the day of the show i was really nervous until about a minute and a half before i walked on stage mm, like it was like yeah. 90 seconds like before before chris did the intros and then it was just like all right fuck it <laughs> <laughs> all right this is this is what we're doing um and and then we just rolled with it and then yeah. I, I have no memory of that show i actually don't remember most of our shows i like i have bit i have like Memories of like two bits from the last couple mm-hmm. that stuck out. One of them that I'm really frustrated about, and the other one that I'm like, okay, cool, it's fine. Um, this was like this was a, this was an okay bit that we carried. Um, were you like, but so, but you were like, you had a two day buildup of like, oh yeah, <sighs> yeah. But again, like once you get on stage, all of it just kind of melts, and you're like, okay, you're on. Yeah, and nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Too late now. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, you really have to just commit and do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think just, like, the energy is is contagious, and it's just so great. Yeah. I do feel like the the audience helps 
Right. Like the audience helps a lot. And I feel like one of the things I've learned and I think I've gotten better at is being a better audience. Like I feel like part of what's made this more fun as we've been doing it more is like when I'm watching when I'm watching you guys play on stage, I feel really engaged and I feel like I want to throw all of my energy back at you guys to 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 like because because you're doing the thing and it makes me really excited to watch you guys do the thing. Um and I feel like that's and I feel like I I get that back too like when we're in the room and 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 when we're watching each other play. Um, so that's been that's been pretty cool yeah no yeah. and it's one of those things like people when they hear that that's what you do is like a side hobby or a side little what would you even call it like a it's kind of like it's it's a project i don't know i guess it's like not even a skill set I mean, extracurricular activity yeah basically it's like i'm an improv club kind right. of but, we... <laughs> <laughs> um, but when people hear that you do that i mean people are always so blown away and like the first thing people say is like oh my god that's amazing or like i've always wanted to try it mm-hmm. and it's really cool to be on the other side to be like yeah i've been doing it it's awesome and you should too yeah and i guess that's kind of like what lifestyle blogging is for me it's like yeah, yeah this is what i do and uh yeah i don't know it's, I mean, it is really cool it's a cool it's a cool <laughs> bragging right i guess and yeah so the improv is definitely just one of those yeah extra after school activities that yeah. like sets you apart from someone who does like i don't know bocce or whatever dc yuppies do i mean hey bocce's fun bocce's <laughs> bocce's the bocce's the it, it, the heritage of old italian men everywhere um <laughs> okay well it's not like kickball on the mall it's like that's true i make people laugh for fun like it's it's cool um <laughs> that's true that is true um it's it's really sad that it's over my phone you know it's saturday which is when we had our classes and my phone was like all right it'll take you 14 minutes to, to get, the to uh, East dc improv i was like oh no no phone are you looking into trying like into starting a troupe with somebody or are you do you have time or are you i would love to but i think it it just kind of fell apart with like the little troop I had before. Yeah. I feel like we started because there was a while where we were doing more practice work and I felt so bad because I really wanted to. And then I was always the person I felt like I was always the person who was like, Hey, you guys want to do this thing? Oh, I'm sorry. My life just turned sideways again yeah. as it does every 18 hours. And I can't. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I like, it's, it's sort of tough because it does take, like talking about trust right if you're starting a troop like if you're really starting if you're starting to to do this thing that isn't just like learning how to do it because at this point chris was like chris at the end of the show was like all right go do it because like you like keep doing seminars keep taking classes keep pushing yourself to learn but you guys have all the bits and pieces now like if you're gonna if you want to keep doing improv you don't need a 4c you guys just gotta like just go oh i know but the thing is is like without like structure or somebody there like you've i feel like that really is the glue that holds all of it together and like he's right we have all of it but like i mean none of us are at his level so by us like playing and Mm -hmm. telling ourselves that that was really great like maybe it wasn't and we could have had someone but i also feel like we've learned i feel like we've learned enough at this point like we've reached a point in in our skill set where we can be uh a little bit more dispassionately critical i know that i feel like i've gotten like i'm probably over critical sometimes but i feel like i've definitely gotten to a point where i can be like okay cool not about funny but about structure like you wipe too early or you talk too much or or like you like you didn't let that joke land um and I think we've reached, we've like technically gotten to a point where we can work those skills more. Sure. 
we just need someone like to sort of be the like be the inspirational push to keep things going or the organizing force to be like okay cool this is when we are showing up at this place and you guys have to just show up at this place but see without paying for classes <laughs> that are structured people are more likely to flake that's true be super late just drink beer but not... i think that's but i think that's part of it like but that's that points to the trust thing like that's sure. like since the troop is built on trust like in the same way in the same way that your clients like your clients would exp- like yeah there's the monetary aspect but this trust is still there like sure. you you do it for the money but you also do it because it's the thing you want to do right and like in if if like the improv troupe is the thing you want to do, then if you commit to the thing, like you're gonna do it. And if you catch yourself not doing it when you said you were gonna, then it's like a okay, cool. Do I really want to be doing this thing? Right. But, no, that's so true. Yeah. Um. There. So I was in my little uh, troupe last, uh, I guess last year before mm-hmm. it broke up, and there was this opportunity to perform at Wit. It was like one of their Christmas, December like 50 teams mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. like a five minute set. Sure. And everyone was on board, and then it just didn't happen for whatever reason. Right. The person supposed to fill out the application didn't. Didn't do it. And it yeah. was just kind of like, oh man. And yeah, it was just sad. Yeah. So but yeah, there's definitely like a trust thing, and, and I don't know. Yeah, I, I would like to pick it back up again for sure. Yeah. I think it would be, and I think it would be, I know for me, it's less of an extracurricular. It's more like, it's it's more like working out. Like I, when I work out, I'm not lifting because I'm like trying to be a power lifter. I don't go for runs because I'm training for a marathon. I do it just sort of as a, as a training tool just to keep my body and my mind in a good place. And I feel like improv has become the same sort of thing for my creativity. Yeah. Um, and for, and just for sort of. Not not just for being a human being, but kind of. Right. <laughs> like, I don't want to say that improv makes me a better person than people who don't do improv. But, but I am saying, I am actually saying that. that it is, it's a thing I did just say. Uh, for, <laughs> for me, it's it's really big ego boost. Like when a joke lands or like a scene just like killed people or made them like die laughing. Like that is such a good feeling. And... Yeah, it's it's really great, and it kind of like wipes away all the other times that like maybe it wasn't as funny or could have been better. But yeah, like though, like I just live for those like one or two times people just like lose their shit in class because uh, of something you said. Yeah. And, oh, it, it makes it. It totally. It just yeah. makes everything. Right. Oh. Yeah. Well, because it also feels really like. I love it when I love it when I just end up in a scene and the scene just f- starts to feel like the only place i am yeah like there i can't remember there was a moment when i was on when we were doing it was the junkyard oh man that junkyard scene oh so funny because it was so like that so that one was that was great but you really so your scene partner is notorious for not or that particular person was notorious for not really paying attention to context clues and i feel like whatever you did like really like roped him in well and it was and it like he got on board and the biggest the best part of that scene and one of the like one of the things i used most from improv was the like letting it breathe yes like there were beautiful moments of sign and there was another the, the so that one and then there was that scene in our last like in like our last uh practice session before the show where we were we just sat on stage for a minute and didn't speak like it was just sitting quietly kind of looking <laughs> at each other but then looking like and it, ju- it just worked um but like the, those moments of just like okay cool i'm just gonna be comfortable until somebody says something or until i'm ready to say a thing um and it just worked 
Yeah, I'm still – so I definitely incorporate that in my daily life where, like, you don't have to fill the silence or it's okay to, like, think about what you want to say before you say it. And, um, yeah, that is definitely, like, a life skill I've picked up. So definitely worth the, like, $1,000 that we've spent on classes. Yeah, I try not to think about that too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, you know, I've effectively lived at – I've lived at DC Improv for a month. Yeah. Like, at this point. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I don't know about you, but I feel like, uh, I feel like improv has made it easier for me to admit when I'm wrong. Hmm. Um, or, or when I think I'm right, but I might not be. Oh, marriage will do that to you too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I can, I can imagine. Um, there's the, the required like, all right, fine. Yeah. This isn't worth fighting about. We've reached, we've reached the end of the, end of the like, oh, there's something worth, no. We're just like one way or the other. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so admitting when you're wrong, I think that is, and also, yeah, wedding planning will do that to you. I think it's a very humbling thing to just, uh, tell somebody that you were wrong, you apologize and, and just moving on. It's, it's, you know, people really respect and appreciate that too um and i have had to have so many like shit eating humble sandwiches like in my last however many months of wedding planning so mm-hmm. yeah that'll oh man uh, see i could and, and i feel like you've got at this point you're in it a little bit from both sides too like you because with the wedding planning there's that and then i mean have you had any have you had any big oh no moments yet in the in in the personal chef space or are you still still running mostly our free ball um I mean, there are definitely times where I've forgotten to purchase a key ingredient or thought I had enough of something and ran out. And mm-hmm. so you really have to wing it. Mm-hmm. And But like, unless someone says something, I'm not going to be like, oh, by the way, I totally forgot oh, to yeah, buy for that sure. second sure. whatever. Um, so I haven't been called out on anything. Um, but yeah, I definitely have moments where I'm like sweating in the kitchen because of something like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's learning. And then you know next time, you, you learn from your mistakes very quickly. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. For sure. I think one of the um, never give anybody a reason to be upset if they're not already upset is one of like the oh, best pieces that of is, advice. Yes, 100 uh, percent. From an improv standpoint, it's don't give people the don't give people a line if you don't want them to use it. Right. Like don't feed it. Like if you're in a scene and you really don't want to have to deal with, oh, we're getting divorced. Don't say man, this divorce, like, just don't use, just don't use the word if you don't want somebody to register it. Um, Yeah, man, but like mm -hmm. going back to, I mean, just the whole thing, I I still feel like even now, like I've met my goal for, for May, Mm -hmm. I have my four uh, and it's, it's fantastic. And like next week is going to be my busiest, most profitable weeks. And I am stoked. And like, you know, I was like in a great mood, like thinking about it and like, I've made it, but at the same time, I'm like, wait a second. Nope. It's free life like i've made it this week you've made it this week yeah yeah and Uh, i i feel like i don't yeah i i just i have to figure out like how to you know tame that and like keep it at like a manageable level yeah because i feel like i feel like for me that would go one of two ways either i'd be like okay cool i'm just gonna get comfortable and excuse me i'm just gonna get comfortable and you know things will work out hopefully or i would then be like okay cool i have to push myself past this so that i'm working a little bit more than i can handle so that if something falls through i'm still okay i don't know yeah do you feel like i mean do you feel like you're 
do you feel like you've got that wrangled or not to not to get real serious on you but I mean do you feel like do you feel like do you see more client work on the horizon and do you see like a, a point at which you're gonna have to start saying no I would love to be in a position where I'm like oh I'm too busy like let's talk in <laughs> July um that would be great uh but um you know I guess in like a, what am I trying to say uh so there are going to be some families that regardless of how fantastic the food is, how fantastic I am, and how easy it is for them for monetary reasons or whatever, they won't need the service anymore or, or you know, they'll not want to continue. And so I feel like I constantly need like a, like a, I don't know, Ferris wheel or carousel of different mm-hmm. clients that I'm like, you know, now speaking to or like about to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... I feel like the more I have in my back pocket, the better, or like just work it. Or, you know, if that means cooking seven days a week, that's what I'm going to have to do. do. Um, You know, because at some point somebody will, will leave or discontinue, or maybe somebody will only be a one timer or two times. Uh, I constantly need like a revolving door of them. Um, But I'm at a point where I'm very fortunate enough where two of my clients are, you know, ride or die every week. Fantastic great communication and I feel very fortunate for that and so it's now just getting to that place with the, the other few right so nice um nice. and yeah it's it's scary and hard and weird and I constantly feel like fake it or make it and like who am I mm-hmm. you know like I have a degree in event planning mm-hmm. and I'm like here cooking strangers food <laughs> um and yeah it's it's kind of crazy but yeah do you think you'd ever go back do you think you'd ever go back to school? I mean, like, now that you're sort of in it, like, who has the time? But, like, do you feel like if you ever hit a point, you would go back and, like, do, like, CIA or one of the other – there's a – I know there's a cooking school in Bethesda. Like, go and do one of those programs and, like, get get that um, set up or – So when – back in February when, when I was only with um... – I guess one client at that time um my husband wanted to make the investment for culinary school Mm -hmm. and we did a little bit of research and it's like a $35,000 investment for a year and it's only like once a week um Mm -hmm. but it's just after a little bit of more research it's really no it's just not I don't think it's worth the investment it's kind of like art school almost yeah which is okay which which all right all of my friends out there who went to art school I'm not Sorry. I'm not saying that, you, dude, art school is great. You learn a lot and you do a lot of interesting things. And not every artist goes to art school. Like, not some artists go to art school and learn a lot of really interesting things that makes them significantly better artists in different ways than artists who don't. I don't even want to say that. Um, <laughs> it's not like, it's not like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like going to art school in that art school can be a really awesome, powerful, important experience. Oh, sure. And you don't necessarily have to do it to go make art. Like, you know, depending on what you want to do, like you can, you can go, you can go make art on your own or you can like art can be a thing that you do or fall into after the fact. It's not necessarily, um, it's not necessarily the kind of thing you need to be certified for. No, totally. And, um, the woman I apprenticed with, she was self-taught, did not go to culinary Mm -hmm. school and neither did the woman that she apprenticed from. Um, and I've met with a few different, um, I've taken a lot of like little like knife classes or like little things that you you know, mm-hmm. I've been doing and I chat with some of the chefs af- afterwards and they all say the same thing. You don't need to go to culinary school for this. Right. And um, so I'm just I'm going to stick with that unless something changes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a different kind of thing. I also like my my um, 
my brother and sister-in-law are both professionally trained chefs oh, wow. and paste like in pastry and and nice. uh, I think one of the things like they're phenomenally good but one of the things they do more of is like setting up kitchens oh, like cool. helping people build cafes and like doing industrial level stuff on that level and I feel like um they will most definitely correct me if I'm wrong here um but my sense is that while culinary school teaches you how to be a very very good chef um and it teaches you a whole lot of a whole lot of that skill set it also gives you the groundwork for doing it on a different level like a different like that's not just you know the difference is if you want to go and run a restaurant that's a different skill set like that's a different level of food food prep and a different level of level of structuring than oh totally like and that that culinary school is as much about that as it is about cooking good food right no totally and you know for what i'm doing there are so many great free resources Mm -hmm. online that you know watching videos on youtube honestly like gordon ramsay has like a really (laughs) great youtube channel uh i feel like i've picked up a lot of uh little uh tricks from him as ridiculous as that sounds so well i mean i feel like it's also we i mean podcasting at all or like doing doing this thing podcasting lifestyle blogging all of the all of the things that are part of everybody's day to day now that people get for free, that people do for very little money from a lot of different places that build up. Like everybody's, everybody's got a, you know, everybody who does this thing, who makes money off of it has small sponsorship and Patreons and that sort of thing. Um, where you're making, you're making money off of a whole bunch of little bits to put something out there for free, Sure. which like 10 years ago, who nobody nobody did that right like it's a totally it's a totally different world for for making that sort of thing right no it really is is. crazy yeah i wouldn't i don't want to say that you couldn't do this in 1997 it it would be a lot harder right like the resources you know the power of the internet the massive outreach um and the the capacity to bring in little amounts like like little amounts of press or little amounts of of recognition and, and to to make word of mouth a thing that pushes word word of mouth is no longer like someone actually calling somebody and telling them about what you do it's somebody pointing you to a link right like the the cost of entry there is so much lower yeah no and even like certain websites that i advertise on like those didn't exist 10 years ago yeah even things like that and like i don't even know how i would get started without them honestly um yeah That's our episode. Hope you enjoyed it. You can find out more about Dara's cooking at dbcdesigns.co, her lifestyle blog at peeniesandbees.com, and follow her on Instagram at daraboxer. You can also find her full bio at applyingtoeverything.xyz slash guests. To find out more about the show, check out applyingtoeverything.xyz, and check us out on iTunes and Google Play. As always with new podcasts, liking, rating, and subscribing is the best way to help us gain traction. I'd like to thank Humble Fire for the use of our theme song, Mount St. Misery, Off the Great Resolve, available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you find your music. I'd also like to thank Chiara Scarcella for designing our logo. Tune in next week for an episode about superheroes, mental health, and why sometimes it's okay to be angry. Talk to you then.